0: This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Sir Fluffhead of Game Hinge, formerly known as Brown Ben Zaza, whose words are, I come from the land of darkness, I come from the land of doom, I come from the land of Game Hinge, from the land of the big baboon.
1: Welcome to "Bend the Knee," a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight,
0: and I am Sir the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Chapter Thirty-Three, uh, Eddard Eight of A Game of Thrones. In a, war- in, in a world of Ice and Fire, we are discussing um, the Riverlands.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, bigger. We're, now that we're in in the world of Ice and Fire, we're in our kind of bigger region studies. Um, yeah, yeah, the Riverlands. Some interesting stuff about the Trident. We will get to here. Um, I just kind of found interesting about some of the wars and how the Ironborn actually were able to use the Riverlands to uh, their advantage.
0: Yeah, for a long back time in the day. Yeah, yeah, right. So right. Uh, actually, yeah. You know, well, at the. I'll oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say just, uh, as as we get into it. Um, when I was doing my research today. The riverlands is one of those uh kind of like high garden changed quite a bit you know like Mm -hmm. after the conquest yeah so it's it's what what we it's actually worth a good history study you know because of how much it's um changed
1: and you know you don't really think about it but most of the books actually take place in or around the riverlands yeah it is kind of that central region we just don't really ever think of it but you know almost I mean, Arya, all of her running around is pretty much in the Riverlands. Mm -hmm. Um, Jamie and the Riverlands, Brienne, everything. It's kind of that it connects the north and the south and it uh, it gets put right there in the middle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. So this is is a good one to do today. All right. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, uh, all right. At the beginning of our show, we just like to remind people you can uh, send us a raven at btkcast at gmail dot com um we answer your ravens questions anything you want so we just like to do that so uh let's go ahead and move on over to small council sir ezra how are you doing today
0: uh doing okay looking forward to some uh you know get some football on later tonight uh looking forward to watching that so i think the browns and the bangles play don't they is that today mm, maybe Am I right. i think I so take a look uh but anyways I'd, i'm looking I'd forward to some to, some football action uh so um yeah just trying to relax you know uh it's been a been a stressful couple of weeks but just trying to chill out here on the weekend and uh you know have a good time so how about you buddy
1: Hey man I'm good I just uh I just, I'm going out and chopping some wood later today you know get uh, preparing for winter Yeah <laughs> uh
0: yeah does I'm winter come out there off, or so. is 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 it, Actually, is it always not
1: winter Yeah it's no, it's, it's supposed, it's supposed to start raining soon. It hasn't, it hasn't done it quite yet, but, uh, I, I believe it is, it is soon upon us. So yeah.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: Yeah. So I went to this kind of night market thing last night. It's kind of this cool little trendy shops and, uh, kind of, kind of stuff and had, uh, actually one of this cool place that they, they did, they do s'mores, like, you know, you just, and, but they do like, use like a blowtorch. It's pretty cool.
0: That's cool. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Actually, I forgot to mention last last night I went out with another uh, podcasting buddy, and listened to the legend of Sleepy Hollow, which was actually kind of cool. Oh, uh, so oh yeah, you know, got to see the the headless horseman riding around, scared scared to death. But it was uh, it was fun. It was out, outside, nice and cool, yeah. good fall weather. Got the flannel on, so it's feeling good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm not much for flannel. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not really a flannel person. It, it, but,
0: isn't, uh, isn't flannel worn out there quite a bit though? In Portland?
1: Yeah, it is. That's what I thought. Yeah, they're all they're all about it. Yeah. They're they're all about it. That's great. It's good people out there then. Good so, people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So All right. Well, um as we There's not really a lot of news, Sir Ezra. Yeah. I, I was trying to dig up I was trying to dig up some news this week, and there's really uh kind of nothing kind of a kind of a slow week yeah
0: yeah well hey, sometimes uh yeah, no news but... can be good news you know maybe things are mm-hmm. just moving along everybody's working doing their thing so that's that's the hope is, there, yeah. is that gers gers getting some work done well here's the thing i mean uh to kind of parallel this chapter you know that silence that uh Stannis baratheon you know left the realm with when he went to dragonstone i mean so it can be a bad thing. You know, it could be things are, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're working on something. Maybe girl's working on something. You know, the show is still working. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's kind of that still, maybe it's, mm-hmm. maybe it's the calm before the storm, you know? Yeah. Hey,
1: we, you and I are always working on something. That's, that's for sure.
0: That's for sure. That's right. We're here. So, yeah. So yeah, we're here. Uh,
1: so, all right, well, let's go ahead and dive in over into the, um, the the Maester study and talk a little bit about the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. So as as always, I kind of like to pull up just the first little bit and uh, dive into it. Uh, much history, rife with both glory and tragedy, has been made in the lands watered by the River Trident and its three great vassal streams, stretching from the neck to the banks of the Blackwater, the east, uh, and east to the borders of the Vale. The Riverlands are. The beating heart of Westeros. No other land of the Seven Kingdoms has seen so many battles, nor so many petty kings and royal houses rising and falling. The causes of this are clear. Rich and fertile, the riverlands border on every other realm in the Seven Kingdoms save Dorne. Yet, f- yet have few natural boundaries to deter invasion. The waters of the Trident make the land ripe for settlement, farming, and conquest whilst the river's three branches stimulate trade and travel during peacetime and serve as both roads and uh, barriers in times of war. And then just another thing right here, just going to talk about the trident a little bit. Mm-hmm. The importance of the trident to the region was never made clearer when, than when King Harwin Hor, the grandfather of Heron the Black, fought over the riverlands with Storm King Eric. The Ironborn Reavers were able to achieve dominance on the rivers and use them as a means to transport forces swiftly between far flung strongholds and battlefields. The Storm King suffered his worst defeat at the crossing of the Blue Fork near Fairmarket, where the long ships provided, uh, proved decisive in allowing the Ironborn to seize the crossing despite Eric's superior numbers. I just find I just find it, I just find it in- interesting that at some point the, the Storm King, you know, fell at, at the Trident, which is, you know, just right. odd considering when we when we think of you know the Stormlands just winning the big huge victory over the Targaryens. So,
0: right, yeah, I mean that's that's um, seems to be a spot where people, you know, uh, big battles are are held. I mean, honestly, right above and around uh, and below the God's Eye, a lot of battles took place there you know, in uh, The Dance uh-huh. of the Dragons and in Aegon's Conquest. Uh, definitely a place that's been fought over quite a bit. Uh, kind of a... <clears throat> I almost... Like, how does the Riverlands continue to function? You know, it's sort of like... I mean, when you look at it on the map, it's it's true. It's surrounded on all, you know, sides, and and it is a fertile land, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. it's just, just kind of strange, I guess. You know, that, like... <clears throat> well, right, well, when part- you
1: start to look at the region's when you start to look at the regions around it um you know the riverlands is kind of flat um you know you have the mountains of the Vale to the east and then you know you have the westerlands to the west and that's kind of rocky and hilly as well and then the north it gets kind of cold and so i it's just flat and so it just seems like it's so easy to just march armies through it mm-hmm. i mean yeah. the only <clears throat> the only the only problem you come into is when you have to cross a river especially if you have to go you know cross a particular bridge
0: but right right um and it looks like too you know at one point we're talking about the we're talking about the history of of um the riverlands and so uh i think you know you as as you know now in our series um river run is sort of the you know the head seat house tully we'll get to it in a second here uh is sort of running the show but back in the day heron hall was the place right you know that was sort of the mm-hmm. um the major keep there and uh the ironborn had had done a lot of uh, you know had basically taken over they were running the 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 riverlands there for for a long while so mm-hmm. but uh but then you know eventually um so it's it's history is just kind of uh interesting in how it's passed hands and i think sometimes we get caught up thinking that um oh the house, house Tully has always been there they've always been there but that they were always in power or you know uh in control right. or what have you um you know,
1: yeah, well, you know, it seems like if you just when we we start looking at the history of the Riverlands, too, it seems like every major event in Westeros almost takes place at the Riverlands. Yeah. You know, when you go all the way back to the, like the Dawn Age, um, this is where, you know, you have the Isle of Faces there and that's where the pact was signed when they were fighting with the children of the forest.
0: hmm. Yep.
1: And so you have that and then you have obviously, you know, Robert, Robert. Baratheon beating uh, Rhaegar, at, at, you know, at the at the Battle of the Trident, and uh, you can look at Hall I mean, that was kind of one of the first big, huge battles of the uh, of Aegon's conquest. Yeah. So, right. Are we setting ourselves up for something? You know, people have been saying, "What if the Night King falls at the Trident?"
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, that's definitely something uh, we've talked about it. It being a place of importance. Uh, once again, yeah, and real quick, the the Trident. I've, if in case you've, I, th- I think Sir Matt just kind of mentioned it and, and talked about it. But when you really look at the map, the reason it's called that is because of the three, you know, rivers that that take uh, that, that spring from it. Really, you've got the Red Fork,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the Blue Fork, and the Green Fork. You know, and so the Green mm-hmm. Fork takes off north. Blue Fork heads over to, um, you know, um, the Iron Islands, sort of that Iron Man's Bay. Uh, and then re- the red fork stretches all the way across over into the into the uh, Westerlands, so um, mm-hmm. kind of neat. I, I guess I never really uh, it helps me put my wrap my mind around those different references in our story. You know, when, when they're crossing the green fork, the blue mm-hmm. fork, and the red fork. You know, so cool. If you get a chance mm-hmm. to go look at that on the map, it's yeah, I pretty neat.
1: Yeah, I do kind of like the uh, just. I'm just gonna read again here from the book how it just kind of describes um, the the branches of the trident. So you have the you know the red fork it says colored by the mud and silt that tumbles down from the western mountains, the green fork whose mossy waters emerge from the swamps of the neck, and the blue fork named for the purity of its sparkling uh, spring fed uh, fed flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think you know again, that's that's something else to think about in these regions because I think sometimes when we think about regions, we just kind of think of like, oh, it's just like you're from the north, you're from the north. Whereas you and I often bring up, you know, the difference in Dornish, right? Like the sandy Dornish as opposed to like the stony Dornish. Yeah. Because you've got those like hills, and then you kind of get down to Sunspear. So that I think that's also something to kind of, you know, the neck actually is quite big, mm-hmm. and uh, and and the uh, Riverlands, excuse me. Um, you know, you've got those that kind of um, swampy area up in the top before it kind of gets into gets in in into the north. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And how
0: that all, how that all, how that all kind of connects. You know, something that I just noticed—it's kind of interesting too. Look at the twins and think about how when, oh, um, uh, when Rob Stark is is coming down and he needs to sort of—he's uh, trying to, you know, take out some of the Lannisters or, or move over into Lannister territory. He either can cross at the twins or he has to go clear down to near where the Trident is. He has to go. He has to follow the King's Road all the way down. So it's a it's a huge uh, barrier, that like the, the the Green Fork, for him to kind of cross an army with, mm-hmm. you know. So it's either cross way up north there, or take his army all the way down, and almost they'd almost be out of position uh, to surprise, you know, any of the Lannisters. So it's kind of cool when you look at it, str- you know, st- strategically um, from Rob's point of view coming through the Riverlands and why he made the deal and the pact that he made with Walter Frey, uh, it makes a lot more sense. So right. Uh, but uh, here, this uh, I think uh, two pa- two paragraphs on here. The, two, the true history of the Riverlands began with the coming of the Andals. After crossing the narrow sea and sweeping over the Vale, these conquerors from the east moved to make their own, sailing uh, their long ships up the Trident uh, and its three great branches. In those days, it seems it seems that the Andals fought in bands behind chieftains, who the later Septims would name kings. Piece by piece, they encroached upon the many petty kings whose realms uh, the Riverlands watered. So, there's sort of your mm-hmm. start, and that the Andals are, are heavily, um, they're big influencers in uh, the Riverlands. You know, we we know they kind of landed there um, near the Vale, uh, and came across the the mountain range there, and then uh, and this is saying too, uh, they came up through the Trident and into the Riverlands. So that's sort of mm-hmm. how how that all began. But actually, to back up a little bit, weren't yeah. there some kings though? W- weren't there some um, let me see here. During the long centuries that, when the first men reigned supreme in Westeros, countless petty kings rose and fell. Okay, so there's just there's just numerous. They don't really mention, like, a, like a name, I don't, I don't think. I don't see one here anyways. A um, few legendary kings and heroes on the weathered stones in runes whose meaning are now disputed at the Citadel. Thus, whilst singers and storytellers may regale us with colorful tales of Artos the Strong, uh, Florian the Fool, Nine-Fingered Jack shara the witch queen and the green king of the god's eye the very existence of such uh, personages uh, must be questioned by the serious scholar so not a whole lot Mm -hmm. uh there i guess in the back in the um you know time of the first men so we don't Mm -hmm. really know a whole lot still
1: and yeah we don't and it also you know as we get into when the when they when they came over and like the Andals come over and they start to bring the Seven, it seems like the it seems like the Riverlands is one. You can almost argue it's kind of the most important region to the Children of the Forest, um, and I'll get to that here in a second. And it also seems like it's kind of a huge part of the Andals because of the of the Seven. So I'm going to kind of read a a longer passage here because I think it's, I just find it kind of interesting here. Um, uh, songs speak to us the years of the fall of Maidenpool and the death of its boy king, Florian the Brave, fifth of his name, of the widow's ford where three sons of Lord Derry held back the Andal warlord uh, Vorian Viprin and his knights for a day and a night, slaying hundreds before they fell themselves. Of the night in the White Wood, where supposedly the children of the forest emerged from beneath a hollow hill to send hundreds of wolves against an Andal camp, tearing hundreds of men apart beneath the light of the crescent moon of the of the Great Battle of uh, Bitter Bitter River, where the Brackens of Stonehenge and the Blackwoods of Raven Tree Hall made common cause against the invaders, only to be shattered by the charge of 777 Andal knights and seven septons, bearing the seven-pointed star of the faith upon their shield. The seven pointed star went everywhere uh, the Andals went born before uh, before them on shields and banners, embroidered on their surcoats, sometimes uh, incised into their very flesh. In their zeal for the seven, the conquerors looked upon the old gods of the first men and the children of the forest as little more than demons and fell upon their weirwood groves. Sacred to them was steel and fire, destroying the great white trees wherever they found them and hacking out their carved faces. The great hill called Highheart was especially holy to the first men, as it had been to the children of the forest before them. Crowned by a grove of giant weirwoods, ancient as any that had been seen in the seven kingdoms, Highheart was still the abode of the children and their green seers. When the Andal king Ereg, the kingslayer, surrounded the hill, the children emerged to defend it, calling down clouds of ravens and and armies of wolves, or so the legends tell us. Yet neither Tooth nor Talon was a match for the steel axes of the Andals who slaughtered the green seers, the beasts, and the first men alike, and raised beside the high heart a hill of corpses half half again as high, or so the singers would have us believe." True history suggests otherwise, insisting that the children had abandoned the riverlands long before the Andals crossed the narrow sea. But however it happened, the grove was destroyed. Today, only stumps remain where once weirwoods stood. Wow. So there's kind of a lot to pick out of that kind of passage right there. Um, So first of all, you know, you have the Isle of Faces, and it seems like High Heart is also a very kind of sacred area to the children, and then of course Mm -hmm. the the first men as well um so i mean what do we think about that knowing kind of kind
0: of Highheart's heart's history well uh it, yeah it's it, it's because i think of the of the Werewood network and that there were giant trees there were like these dr- giant trees um that were mm-hmm. kind of in a circle it was almost like maybe they made it a place that was a sanctuary um mm-hmm. so yeah it's and it's still significant we have the, the ghost of Highheart heart still kind of you know walking around and um uh, all upset there, and we 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 encounter those stumps. Actually, um, I believe Arya com- right. comes comes across them. So yeah, she does when she's when she's meeting the the ghost of High Heart. And High
1: Heart and the Isle of Faces are almost like, I mean, they're not like directly next to each other, but they're they're relatively close.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not too far. Mm-mm, yeah. So, uh, and that is is you know the Isle of Faces is, is sort of where um those green sears went right is that is that not the rumor that the that that's right. the last sort of yep. uh, place they went so they i mean a lot of them were were slain and and killed here i think it's interesting that the children called down ravens and wolves you know right that that is kind of another another thing because that
1: could go a bunch of different ways and theories um you know with like three-eyed raven and the starks and stuff like that
0: hmm yeah i mean it's it's starting to make a lot of sense. It's starting to kind of, um, that they had those, um, that they were allies to or that they could command or control, you know. Control, I think, is the word. Uh, ravens and wolves. <laughs> so you've got Bloodraven, who who they can uh, have, have got in their service, uh, and then they're trying to get, you know, uh, Bran Stark up there as well. So, which right. is... So,
1: yeah, so question, Sir Ezra, is it... Uh do the children control the three-eyed raven?
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yes. I think they do. I don't know. because uh, I've always thought something mischievous was going on there and uh yeah, I I'm not I'm not quite not quite sure uh but I think that's that's their weapons. That's what they can use is is green seeing. Right. They can use their powers um you know. So yeah, like like warging is also kind of close to that you know, talent, so, and, and the Starks are kind of close to the First Men. They always uh, claim, you know, um, that they've got this heritage with the First Men. So, in this situation, uh, High Heart was, was a place that was um, revered by the First Men, too. So, I don't know. There just seems to be a, a strong correlation between uh, the children, and then once they had made their pact and and stuff, uh, had found common cause in sort of fighting off the, the Andals. And the angels bring with them the seven, right. and uh, they prevailed. You know, so which is interesting. I love that they they the the seven hundred and seven uh seven hundred and seventy seven seven yeah nights, which is pretty cool. So something in that in that number. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah.
1: Okay, so we, should we move should we move up a little bit more to more recent times? Uh, maybe talk a little bit about House Tully. And some sure. just some of the bigger, bigger mm-hmm. houses that are kind of in here. Yep. Um, yeah. So ha- the Tully's of Riverrun were never kings, though. The books of lineage will show any number of connections to their dynasties of the past. It may have been these old connections that started House Tully on its path to becoming Lord Paramounts of the Trident under Aegon the First. Um, the Tully name appears in many chronicles and annals of the Trident back unto the days of the first men, where the first Edmure Tully and his sons fought besides the Hammer of Justice, Christopher Fourth Mud, in many of his 99 victories. A- after Christopher's death, Sir Edmure went over the mightiest of the Andal Conquerors, Armistead Vance. It was from him, that Edmure's son, Axel, received a grant of lands at the juncture of the Red Fork and its swift-running vassal, the the Tumblestone. There, Lord Axel established his seat in a red castle he named Riverrun. Mm-hmm. Placed as it was, Riverrun soon proved to have great strategic value, and the petty kings contended during the Age of Anarchy and and. During the Age of Anarchy, soon began to vie for the support of House Tully. Axel and his descendants grew wealthy and powerful and in time became the bulwark of many a river king, for they defended the Trident's western marches against the Kingdom of the Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I mean, you could almost argue you look at kind of the the Tyrells, you know, right now in the beginning of where we're at mm-hmm. in, in the first couple of books where, I mean, obviously they, they are the seat of... The, the reach, but you know the Lannisters are kind of that richer, richest family in Westeros, and the and the um mm-hmm. the Tyrells are kind of like just slowly building. Hey, let's just build. We don't need to involve ourselves in a bunch of conflicts, and yeah. just kind of build and and and
0: slowly consolidate power. Yeah, when you look at like the whole Seven Kingdoms, yeah, like there's that like like that comparison between. <clears throat> uh the Tyrells and the Lannisters right, right. yeah when you look at the Riverlands yeah, it's like House Tully kind of is doing what the Tyrells are doing like you said is that they're trying to right. amass more power put themselves in a position where uh they're sort of um uh, in control of that uh, uh that that western you know uh part of the Riverlands so which is which which is neat. I didn't realize how close too um they are to I mean they're, they're still kind of centralized but they are in the western part of the um, of of the Riverlands. Um, mm-hmm. They're actually not too far mm-hmm. from the Iron Islands. You know, they would be one of the bigger houses that would sort of have to. And I think that is part of it. Like they're they are the defense against not only like um, the Westlands, but like the Iron Islands too. You know, because they often uh, will raid and, and and what have you uh, there with the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. So, but um, mm-hmm. what's neat yeah. too? Do you see this part here in the book where it talks about the um, I mean, if you have more to read, that's fine, too, but this, uh, the list of houses that have at one time or another ruled the Riverlands, you know? I think this is kind of neat, actually, um, talking about the different houses there. So House Fisher of the Misty Isle, House Blackwood, uh, of Raven Tree, House Bracken, uh, and these are these are houses that ruled the Riverlands, okay, uh, as asserted mm-hmm. in the histories, okay. House Mud of Old Stones, the last dynasty of uh, the first men to rule the Riverlands, so there you go, um... House Justman, House, I think it's House Teague, um, last of the kings of the river and hills native to the riverlands, um, House Durandon of Storm's End, which is interesting that, like, that's, yeah, they're from Storm's End. Right. So there's that whole piece where they had conquered at one point, you know, uh, some of these mm-hmm. other petty kings, you know. Right. Well, you know, that's something that I think we forget a lot when we talk about, these se- like, the
1: seven kingdoms and, and stuff like that, like, You know, like there's nine great houses now, and there's really like nine regions. Yeah. Um, well, nine kind of before, um, Robert Brathian, because then the Brathians take over the, the, King's, area, Mm -hmm. um, as or as the the lands, Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and so. You know, if there were seven kingdoms, there'd have to be a couple that were consolidated, and it was actually, if you look at the storm, the Stormlands was huge. It goes yep. like all the way up, yeah, and includes the the Riverlands as
0: well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, just kind of neat little history, and then House House Hor is again of the Iron Islands. They they kind of there for the mm-hmm. long for the long while. Um, was it the Black Heron? Yep. Yeah, they uh, had. Yeah. Yep. Who, who's who ruled there for a long while too? So. Um, do you want to keep? So, would you want to come back to the to the Blackwood and Brackens feud, or uh, in, in just a little bit? Cause no, maybe, we can
1: go right into that if you want.
0: Well, uh, we'll just read it because I think it's kind of neat. You know, to the to these houses, we hear a lot about. Uh, we hear a lot about the Blackwoods and the Brackens, and uh, they have this feud. And uh, we've got Melissa uh, Blackwood, you know, who is the mother of um, Bloodraven, um, and oh, what's her name, Be- uh, Bessie. Betha Beth- Beth- Blackwood. I was thinking the Bracken. Who's 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 the Bracken? Oh, because you've got uh, Missy, you've got Missy Blackwood, Melissa Blackwood, and I think you've got Bessie Be- or Bessa Bracken. I can't remember exactly. I have to go look. But that um, I'm an I'm an, I'm, an, I'm one of the mistresses. Yeah, one of the mistresses of uh, of King Aegon uh, the Unworthy. Okay, so the feud of the Blackwoods and the Brackens is infamous, and rightly so, for it stretches back thousands of years to before the coming of the Andals. The origins of it are. Contested and shrouded in legend, the Blackwoods say they were kings, and the Brackens little more than petty lords set on betraying and deposing them. While the Brackens say much the same about the Blackwoods, that they were both royal houses of the Trident, seems true enough, and none can doubt that their that their intimacy sprang from some cause, uh, so entrenched that it has become legendary. So this reminds me of like, the Hatfield and McCoy feud. That we have here, for in sure, yeah. In the states, it's like uh, it's a feud that that went on for so long that they actually kind of forgot why it started, you know, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, its beginnings. Powerful as they were, uh, they have maintained their feud despite the many kings who have attempted to make peace between them. Even the old king Jahari's uh, failed in his attempt to halt their ceaseless war. For the peace he forged did not long outlast the end of his reign. So, uh, at one point, he did kind of have them at least settle down and being cordial, uh, but did not last long. So, any speculation out there, you know, as to what caused the feud? What was it that, that, uh, you know, is it just vying over land or control of the Trident, you know, um, the waterways in and out of the riverlands, you know, uh, could be a thing, but uh, it's definitely, it's like an ancient feud, you know, it's been going on for a long time. So, Mm -hmm. I think it's proximity too. Okay, so, Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, and here here's some of the names of uh, I yeah you, you yeah. So you have Barbara Bracken, who uh, is the mother of Agor Rivers, Bittersteel, Melissa yeah. Blackwood, Missy, um, who gives birth to Maya Rivers, Gwen, uh, Gwyneth Rivers, and Brendan Rivers, who becomes Blood Raven, Lady Bethany Bracken, um, yeah. and I don't believe she has. A son and yeah, so those are like his, his mistresses.
0: Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Um so here's while we're on them, real quick, I just did am I'm do a quick little bit of digging here. Um House Bracken of Stonehenge. Um so if you look back at the map, where are they at there? Stone right there. Wow. They're pretty close to um River Run, actually. Just just north of the of of High Heart. Okay. So there's that. Uh, and then let's look at uh House Blackwood here. Just because it comes up all the time and it's something that I, you know, until like a reread I didn't really understand the relationship between these two houses. So, um House Blackwood of Raven Tree Hall, uh is an old house from Raven Tree Hall in the Riverlands. Uh so do they have that there, isn't it? Just um where is where is it located, Sir Matt? Do you see it on the map there? Raven Tree Hall. Where would that? I'm um, looking real quick. Doesn't actually have it listed there. Where? I just wanted to see exactly how close they were. You know, that's something I've never really looked up.
1: I think they're both. I think they're both in the western.
0: Makes sense that they. Uh, that they would be, but I mean, Stonehenge is a pretty big. Uh, Looks, it's, it it has it listed here as a castle. It's got a, it's it's a castle. And then you've got the major castle being River Run just to its west. Um you know, other other castles in the area. You've got the uh, Pink Maiden, you've got um hall there. Um Yeah, man, I'm not really seeing another the twins sea. Be, Guard. I, uh, give
1: me give me one second, I can find it. I have my I'll put my big map.
0: Yeah. Um uh, you know, I'm even looking at little towns here. So they've got towns, uh Fair Market, you've got salt pans uh, near the Quiet Isles. You've got Maidenpool, Pool, which Maidenpool Pool comes up quite a bit. Um, Stony Sept comes up quite a bit, and uh, yeah, I don't really see it though on this on this map. So I was just gonna. You've got Blackwater Rush down there, so that's coming. You know.
1: Yeah. So you have. Okay. So you have. So Raven Tree Hall is. Is just kind of let's let's see here. So if you go if you start at the, so you get the Isle faces. Just, I don't yep. know what map you're looking at, but if you go northwest and you run into one of the forks of the Trident, okay, or or one of the rivers there, you've got um, River Run, and then it, uh, Raven Tree is just north east of River Run. So it's like just like right
0: there where those two kind of little rivers. Uh, converge. Oh, you mean we're we're, we're Tumblestone and Red Fork kind of split there off of the Red Fork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would make sense to them because, you know, that I, that's what I thought. I I felt like there was some uh, like proximity, just in that they were close to each other. So, uh, yeah, they're right there in the heart of it, aren't they? They're right there. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that makes sense. I'm when I'm looking at this map, they often would would talk about um, oh the the mountains, right? What was the big uh they they renamed um oh gosh those mountains you know for so and so's you know teeths or whatever <laughs> oh remember. yeah that's right yeah that yeah, was funny I, I i'll look it up but uh anyways so yeah little house viewed there definitely big players and and you'll see a lot of them in and out of the court at uh king's landing so different members of the house and stuff mm-hmm. uh so something to keep an eye on uh not too long ago we were just at the um the inn at the crossroads is a, is a pretty big, pretty infamous um, inn. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, for sure. You know, so yeah. When um, when Catelyn Tully just not too long ago was was coming through the Riverlands, she was thinking about you know um, which way she should go. You know, and thinking about her about her uh, her father. I think you know you've got River Road. There's this road that sort of branches off from the King's Road that she could have taken, uh, and then you also have uh, and it kind of cuts across. Uh, the the King's Road. So it's this big road that kind of cuts across it. She could have taken over to River Run, but decides uh, to take it east instead into, um, into the Vale. So. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. I think yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of more stuff on House, um, or the Lords of Harrenhal. You know, which is which is a thing that looks like it's its own possible, uh. Wow, that's, a, that's quite a bit. Man, there's so much here for a mini for, chapter or something. Yeah, there's so much here for River Run though, for, for the for the for the Riverlands. Where, where where do we go next? Yeah. So Um, well I think we can just kinda finish up here and just talk a
1: little bit about um River Run itself, the castle. Okay. Um I think it's kinda cool that they kinda that each kind of chapter finishes with kind of like the seat and just gives us a little bit of it the seat of house tully is small when compared to the great fortress castles of other great houses it is not even the largest castle in the riverlands for heron the blacks ruined uh immensity of heron hall could not contain 10 river runs or could contain 10 river runs excuse me yeah Yeah, so heron hall is absolutely enormous i don't think like it can ever be described how, how how big it is yeah um yet river run is stout and well constructed as and it's positioned at the juncture of two rivers surrounded by deep waters on two sides makes it exceedingly difficult to assault though besieged many times over the centuries river run has seldom been taken and never by storm Uh, key to the castle's strength is the moat dug beneath its western wall where the main gate stands many castles in the seven kingdoms have moats but few are created uh, with complicated sluice sluice gates Mm -hmm. i don't know what that word is uh that allow them to be flooded at need this gives riverrun's moat a depth and breadth few others can achieve with its moat fully flooded riverrun becomes an island and uh, all but invulnerable to assault yeah man if you look at the photo
0: too if you look at this this picture this illustration uh Mm -hmm. it's uh in the book which is it's a really good picture too by the way it's crazy how much it's like almost like it is the at the the fork of this uh, river. It's just it's it's the river spreading right around it. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. But yeah, there's there's a lot more too. I mean, like uh, some stuff we had covered in previous chapters, or I'm sorry, previous episodes, were things like you know Black Heron and his rule. You know, so we we talked a lot about um, what had happened with Aegon's conquest and you know all of that. So this this also kind of goes into little additional details on that so if you if you want to go back and look at it it's it's definitely worth it uh to read it's just sort of a lot to kind of cover in one little maestro study so but right yeah and and we're gonna do and
1: we're gonna do deeper dives this is just kind of like a broader overview of it so
0: okay it's uh, something funny guys just you know how ambitious uh, how ambitious it is to think that you could tackle every house um uh, a podcast that we listen to and you know he's he's a good guy uh Aziz from History of Westeros uh they attempted this at one point to kind of cover every house <laughs> and he jokes he often yeah. jokes like remember when we tried that <laughs> so it's 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 tough you know it's not like uh it's definitely something that you you, you can't do in, I mean it's just a lot so we we want to and there's but that that's just a testament to how much you know, Gur has done in this world building and stuff. And what I can't believe, too, is we were reading uh, in today's chapter uh, just how much, well, actually, I'm sorry, it's next week's chapter, but I was kind of reading ahead, just the characters that he brings in, you know, um, the Blackfish, mm-hmm. you know, is in book one. Yeah. And and it's yep. someone who's who's sitting there uh, and has an interesting past and is looked on admirably by uh, Catelyn Telly. So it's like, you know, I mean, he has all these characters and all these these uh, keeps and, and places set up it's just amazing so it's vast okay. all right
1: all right well let's go ahead and move on to the reread um this week we are in Edard 8 but last week we were in aria 3 Aria was chasing a cat when Marcella and Tommen had discovered her. She escaped un- unidentified but found herself in the dungeons. There she overheard two men talking about killing her father and eventually finding her way out. She had uh, tried to tell her father what she heard about, but he doesn't believe her. So um, the last time we were in an Eddard chapter, Eddard uh, 7... Uh, after viewing the body of Sir Hugh, Ned and Sir and S- Selmy struggled to convince King Robert not to compete in the melee. The Hound had won the tourney when he had saved the life of the Knight of Flowers. Later, Varys had visited Ned to reveal that Robert was meant to die in the melee. Yep. So here we are. Eddard 8. Ned and King Robert argue over a plot to kill Daenerys Targaryen. When the small council also sets... Um, sides against him ned resigns in protest as ned prepares to return to winterfell littlefinger arrives with news that he has identified the broth- uh, the brothel that john aaron john aaron and stannis baratheon had visited yeah oh okay, boy there's your summary now let's dive into the details so normally we kind of do thirds this chapter is a little bit shorter so i have it kind of divided in halves uh, the first part is, "Have you forgotten who is king here? Know your grace." Have you? That's uh, kind of a little argument mm-hmm. they have there. And then the second part, where uh, Ned leaves and he's talking to Littlefinger back at his thing, and he says, uh, "At the moment, I can't think of anyone whose company I desire less than
0: yours." Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's start with this. Uh, with this argument, you know, it's just. Um, I think it's it's. It's interesting too we just had the as as you read the 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 piece with Arya and and the plot you know here that Varys is is thick in um with uh you know oh wanting to either kind of he either has to keep the kingdom at at uh, you know well from from uh, going to war with each other or you know he's he's playing um I, I I don't I don't know exactly what he's up to because like like here this this is one of those chapters that makes you start to think like why is 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 Vera suggesting this and he's the one sort of relaying this information and everyone is really you know trusting in his um in his word that that Jora Mormont has you know th- that this fourteen year old girl mm-hmm. is with child and he's bringing that in and uh Ned questions it first of all that we're gonna we're gonna kill this girl just based upon you know um the whispers of a spider, but yeah, I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. they're going to do, you know, and so it's just so crazy that they have so much trust in Varys and his skill uh, and his informants that he could easily mislead them, you know what I mean? I mean, he could easily sort of drop some line, uh, some bit of non-truth there and and have them uh, go in a direction that that he desires, so I don't know, we could talk Mm -hmm. more about that later, though, as to why he is pushing for her to be killed. You know, because mm-hmm. I still think it's 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 sort of murky um, as to how involved, you know, he, or, or what his he and, and Illyrio's, you know, original, um, you know, plans are. And I think it only gets murky when you have like uh, young Griff in the situation. But I'm just wondering, you know, that last chapter they were talking about um, that that they weren't ready to ride, you know, that 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 that, that uh, right. That Drogo would would basically wait until the child was born. You know, that The signs had to be right. And then. Then they would move. So, uh, and now he's encouraging them to, you know, kill Danny. Is it just a facade? Is it is it a front? What is it? So, just my thoughts on the first first little bit there. Right. Well, you know, I I'm
1: going to go right ahead and agree with you, sir Ezra. On I think kind of the most interesting character in this first little part is is Varus. When you just kind are kind of actually seeing what he's saying because, um. Okay. Uh, there is no axe. Ned told the king only a, the shadow of a shadow, twenty years removed, if it exists at all. You know, Ned is ca- trying to say like, hey, you know, like, you know, you there's so many factors that would have to go into her like, you know, actually coming over here. It's like she would yep. have to have a boy. She would have to have, um, she like if the child survives. You know, yep. it's in like a desolate wasteland. Um, you know, or like not killed before. Um, the child will also have to be twenty years old, and at the end of the day, you're still gonna have to convince the Dothraki to cross the sea. Yeah, correct. Um, and and so it, and Varys is like, if Varys asks softly, wringing uh wringing pow- uh, powdered hands together, my lord, you wrong me. What I bring lies to the king and council. This is talking about, um, you know, if Daenerys is even pregnant at all. Yeah. Um, and so, and you know, Varys, why would I bring Lies to king and council well, we already know that you convinced you know the mad mm-hmm. king to o- open the gates to um uh Tywin Tywin
0: Lannister yeah oh well he was actually the uh so it was, it was remember you know he, he he told him not to which was crazy oh you're right you're right you're right you're I'm totally totally wrong in that yeah yeah well yeah. no yeah but like yeah, like you're yeah 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 you're totally but it, right yeah yeah but I still that further, though, I mean, so that's another thing. It's like, wait a second, you know, he, uh, like, like he was trying to protect the Targaryens then. Uh, what's he doing with Illyrio now? You know, and then why is he, he feeding this council this information? I think part of it is, like, he's trying to, um, like, did he even need to bring this information at all? Maybe they thought, like, if the information reached the king and Varys the Spider wasn't the one to bring it, then perhaps, like, he would lose some of his... Uh, I don't know, yeah, like like lose lose uh, leverage or or yeah li- yeah exactly right. there you go, um so maybe that's a part of it, but it's also like I mean they're at one point debating whether or not they should have a faceless man kill her. that's a pretty guaranteed like mm-hmm. if they would have if they would have went for that, well Varys like, you know you like your Dothraki horde is done. You know if they actually do kill her, um I mean, he's good at smuggling people you know out and away. But I'm sort of like. If Littlefinger would have found the coin for that, then it's a done deal, you know. So,
1: oh, for right? sure. Well, I mean, okay. So look, look, at this. Look at this kind of next. This next line here. Yeah. Uh, Varys gave the king, uh, you know, an uncautious smile and laid a soft hand on Ned's sleeve. I understand your qualms, Lord Eddard. Truly, I do. It gave <sighs> me no joy to bring this grievous news to council. It is a terrible thing. We. We contemplate a vile thing. Yet we who presume to rule must do vile things for the good of the realm, however much it pains us. But part of it is like, and you hear this a lot in the audio book. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of the way Varus is saying it is like, he's saying it in a way that's like, well, we just have to do it. And yeah. it, it almost sounds kind of smug. Um yeah. And you know that he's like saying it to kind of, it seems like he's saying it to, con, like he knows this is going to drive a wedge between... Edard and Robert.
0: Hey, you know what? That actually might be one of the reasons why he's doing this. You know, perhaps he knew. Maybe he. I mean, because this came up on the downs. You know, when when they were up in the Barrowlands, uh, this discussion happened. I I don't know how how Varys would have known because they rode away. You know, to have this discussion about um, you know her marrying Caldrogo. Drogo. Uh, and they bring that up, actually. Uh, it was like a quick little line, a quick little reference to it. But it's like, sort of like maybe he knew that this was, maybe he, he came back and, like, afterwards there's more conversation and Varus finds out that there's some, you know, uh, uh, that th- this is a crack. This is a place w- where in which they differ and he can sort of, you know, separate the two or drive, as you said, drive a wedge between them. That's actually a really good point.
1: So. Yeah, maybe that's what maybe that's what he's going for. Because clearly, you know, Varus doesn't do anything without some kind of.
0: You yeah,
1: know, I mean he he's clearly has a, he clearly
0: has some motive behind what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Well, and he, and he, and here's the thing. So maybe and this is going to seem total tinfoil hat here, but he has a friend, and w- I was just listening the other day to. Um, it was actually history of Westeros, and they were we were like they were talking about the wealth that these um, that these magistrates have over in Pentos, you know, and and how much money they have. I mean, honestly, you know, Illyrio could hire his own faceless man to you know um, intercept or, or hire someone else to either protect Danny or something. So it's like they could be you know if the, if that were to happen. Uh, or a sellsword sword is going to like attempt an assassination, but a faceless man is there to kill him right beforehand. You know what I mean? They have a backup plan for uh, for everything, perhaps. So, because he's got right. the wealth to do it, he's got the wealth to hire you know whoever he wants over there in uh, in Pentos. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It just yeah, really got I, me thinking. I don't know.
1: I I know that's that that that's who I took the most away from this chapter is Varis and like what is he. What is he planning on doing? You know, what is his what is his kind of ulterior motive here? Because you know, as you said, if Daenerys dies, his his invasion is done. Unless he's already plotting about young Griff, and maybe he yeah. used Daenerys as someone to get rid of. And in the show, yep, yeah. um, the in the show when Varys kind of meets Daenerys, they kind of have this kind of awkward back and forth where Daenerys doesn't really seem to kind of she she challenges him, right? Right. And uh, maybe that's just a way. Maybe that's maybe that's a way for the show to kind of hint at. Oh, there is this other kind of plot in in the books.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, she and she challenges him because he's now serving, you know, uh, Robert Baratheon, you know, and and he was serving her father. Same sort of thing with with uh, Barristan Selmy, you know, Um, and he has to kind of each of them have to kind of explain as to why. You know they need they serve the realm. You know, and they need to. Then that why they continued in their position. You know, so yeah, you're right. That's tough. I mean, there could be something that that he. Well, yeah. I mean, doggone it, man. Actually, as as far as she knows, like this is the point in time where he does send. You know, he's he he actually hires uh, Jorah Mormont. You know, to kind of keep an eye on her, and that is his informant. You know. So I mean that in 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 and of itself is sort of like uh, cause for her to you know he's been spying on her so she's she's you know even right. in the book or in the in the show she's she's pissed because you know I don't know if she knows if she'll know in the book that he you know attempted uh, that he was a part of like sending assassination you know uh, attempts for her but he she'll at least know that he was spying on her through Jorah actually she, did he say that in the book did he mention as to um, are we there yet? Yeah, we are. Yeah, and in, in, uh, in the book, uh, yeah. you know, as as to why, as to who it was that, um, like, she, well, she knows that he was a spy for King King Robert and that he was reporting back to them. But I, I, she has to figure out, or maybe they mention it that it's through Varys. I'd have to go look that up real quick, but I, I'll, I'll look at it later. Um, but anyways, yeah. Okay, sorry, we can, can kind of continue on. I was just thinking out loud. No, that's through, fine.
1: No, for sure. Hey, absolutely. We go on. We go on these rabbit holes, or we, you know, we're, we've been chasing a lot of cats lately. Yeah, we have. <laughs> so. so, yeah. Okay. So to kind of move on, um, really, this is also so to kind of uh, go away from Varus a little bit here. Um, it's really like a big kind of. This is a kind of big tension point between Ned and Robert, obviously. Yeah. Where, you know, Ned really never liked the way that. Things kind of, you know, he definitely didn't like the way that Tywin Lannister had done things. He definitely, when he kind of took, when he, you know, his men come in and the way obviously they murdered, you know, the uh, Rhaegar's children, yep. and uh, this is really where where Ned is kind of like, you know, I've had enough of this, I'm 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 done. Like he's he's saying, you know, it's entirely unnecessary to go kill Daenerys Targaryen, who's like a babe, or, you know, I mean, she's like fourteen herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and whether and whether she whether she lives or not. And, you know, really, if anything, they should be worried more about Viserys because Viserys is still alive at this point.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was the, it was that marriage that 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 uh, kind of caught him off guard. So really, it's like she's going to back her brother. But it, I mean, real. what's crazy is, is that like all of them sort of see her as this threat and then he still thinks that he's you know in in charge it's just it's bizarre it's because of the you know um oh, what was it the, the the great council under the old king and where you know that uh mm-hmm. that that the heir should be you know a male and not a female so that's that's where he's lost in his like it's going to be me has to be me i have to be the one who who rules so yeah um so, so yeah you're right it's a big i think it's a battle of logic too it's sort of like ned's really showing to him you know that like this doesn't make any sense. This is not, you, you, you're you not, you know, one to cower before like a 14 year old girl, the shadow of something to come. Like, you know, uh, this is foolish, you know, like that's mm-hmm. not the Robert that oh, I Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who's like, who's like afraid of an unborn child. And he really, I think hits him there. And that's where he's like pissed. And it's almost like Robert's one of those guys who once he, once he said, he says something, you know, um, he can't back down from it. So when he, when he comes in, when Varys, it's manipulation too, Varys, gives him the information, he says, get the council together, and he's in there raging, you know, as, we need to kill her, you know. And he comes in, He's he hasn't attended a council meeting in, in how long, you know, and he shows up w- and, and is making this, this stance. Well, then he doesn't want to lose face. Oh, right, face. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so uh, it's just unfortunate because it's too bad he didn't seek out the council of his good friend first before he goes in there. Maybe it would have gone a little different, but instead he's, they've got them all worked up, you know, and, uh, yeah, so... There's that. Well, you know, there's the there's the other angle
1: of this too is, um, you know, which a lot of people say is why is it that Ned is so against Robert killing Daenerys? Um, is it because Ned doesn't view the Targaryens as bad? Oh yeah. Because you know the possibility of you know R plus L equals J. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His nephew being like a Targaryen. The, <laughs> right. Is. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So because. 'Cause remember he had um when they were on that ride together he had kind of had a similar stance against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and whether in so now I, and now and now it's coming now it's coming back up and here he is still, you know, against this idea.
0: Right. Yeah, and when I say his nephew, I mean either, you know, uh either Jon Snow or young Griff, whoever it may be. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh so yeah, I don't know, man. that's a good point. Is he, did he learn something about the Targaryens that sort of in the end has him thinking they weren't, you know, all, all bad and, and we misunderstood a lot of different things and it was just truly one, you know, mad king who was destroying, uh, the realm, you know? So it's sort of like right. the Lannisters, you know, sometimes you start to lump them all together at the beginning and you think, oh, they're all, they're all, you know, don't like them, you know, and then they grow on you after a while. You're like, well, Jamie's not too bad, and, and, and Tyrion's the best. You know, he's he's fantastic. Um, and I understand Tywin. I get where, you know, I learn about his history with the Mad King and, and the way in which he's been treated, you know, and the insults that he took from the Mad King. He wants to kind of rule now and, uh, and and stuff. And even Cersei in her backwards way. Like, it's just crazy. Like, it starts off that you hate these characters, and then you're like, oh, there's more to it than that. So... That could be weird. Yeah, actually, you
1: know, I find myself actually coming to like Cersei a little bit more and more as as I read her, just because, um, you know, I mean, at the at the end of the day, she just knows how to play the Game of Thrones better than everyone else. Yeah, That's all it comes down to. It's not it's it's not that she's really evil. It's it's more that she is just she's the best. She's better than everyone else. Like yep. you know, if if she's not out there protecting her family, someone will take advantage of it. That's just the way that the world they live in kind of works. Yeah. Yeah, good point.
0: Yeah. Okay, now and, uh, and so, okay. Uh, another interesting part in, oh, this, in, in in the beginning of this is um, Sir Berest Selmy, You know, mm-hmm. I was shocked. I kind of forgot that. Like we often forget that he's a member. He has a seat on the council. You know what I mean? Um, right. Just because of the way the show does it and stuff. Like, and he's in there, and, and he's he's one of the he's the only other one who agrees with Ned and says, yeah, she we shouldn't kill her like it's there's no honor in that you know in in sending um a poisoner or an assassin you know face your foe on the battlefield And i think his his more just comes from a face place of like he didn't really comment whether whether he thought it was right or not it's just more or i'm sorry whether they should his was more about the method you know what i mean it was like i just don't believe that's Mm -hmm. a it's just not you know face your foe on the battlefield is what he said so yeah right for sure
1: um, so, okay, um, let's, let's see here. And then, you know, you also have Renly in here and he's like, you know, mercy is never a mistake, um, on the Trident. And then he talks about how, you know, Robert did in fact, you know, with Barris and Selmy there that Robert pardoned Barris and Selmy. Yeah. You know, even though it was Bruce Bolton who said we should cut his throat, which is obviously interesting, um, you know, cause he was. The mad king um and so i just think i just think that you know that's something interesting too and you know robert tries to say that it's you know it's it's not the same right so yeah. Barrison was a knight of the king's and he says ned says where daenerys is a 14 year old girl um and then this is where he kind of really starts to push him you know he put he put he pushes him a little too far here this is where it's, it's kind of certain he says um, Robert, I ask you, why? what did we rise against Aerys Targaryen for if not to put an end to the murder of children? And he says, to put an, an end to Targaryens. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah and, yeah. and so then th- this is the line I like here. Your Grace, I never knew you to fear Rhaegar. Ned fought uh, to keep the scorn out of his voice and failed. Have the years so unmanned you that you tremble at the shadow of an unborn child? Robert purpled no more ned he warned pointing not another word have for you have you forgotten who is king here no your grace ned replied have you and then yeah. enough the king bellowed i'm sick of talk so it's just you know no one certainly no one else could get away with pushing robert that far
0: oh no and that's i think that's the, like it's weird because varus kind of admires him for that and and i think even the queen like mm-hmm. people realize like wow this is his friend like if anybody can really speak sense to him and and would be a good hand given the time uh it'd be you know Mm -hmm. edard but uh Mm -hmm. he's had years of being allowed to just treat these people like this and just sort of like everyone kind of cowing and doing what he wants and stuff and it's sort of like now his good stern friend is here speaking good reason to him i I think barris and selmy also probably did that as well uh and they just kind of took the lashings Mm -hmm. that air quote lashings that the king gave uh each of them but it's like it's. I think it's something to kind of. You know, it's like wow. Like, but but there's also this arrogance with the council in that like, well, you know, you just don't understand. You know, the king here, and that this is. Um, I, I don't think they think. They don't believe that you can change his mind. You know, they think once it's made up like this, right. like there's really no getting around it. Just just fall in line and let's let's move on or whatever. But like, uh, Eddard just doesn't believe that, and so it's why. You know, and from what he remembers, he remembers a friend. You know who was merciful, right? And and that's what actually what he tells Renly mm-hmm. is like. You know, yeah, he did allow uh, Viserys and Daenerys to live, but he also allowed Sir Berestan, you know, to live, um, and, and things. And he showed mercy there. That's the that's the king. That's the friend uh, that he remembers. The king who you know he would follow. So, I don't know. It's it's yeah, tough oh, for it's, sure. Yeah, it's a tough little you know scene. I think it does a lot though. I think Robert. He's pissed because Ned's right, and he's willing, he's going to come back later, um, if everything that we, we know what happens. But it's sort of like if things didn't go the way, if Ned wasn't on this secret, um, you know, mission and uncovering these these uh, these really nasty secrets, right? Uh, that are that are dangerous. If he wasn't doing that, I think you know the king would have come back. You're right. I think he would have came back later and said, "I'm an idiot. Come back. You know, this is stupid." You know, right. I really think he would have, actually, uh, just because he he, he really yeah. trusts his friend, but he needs time, he needs to sleep on it, he needs to think about it and cool down, which is what, you know, um, Eddard kind of says, and he might have come back, uh, but he might have also, you know, left to, I mean, I, I don't know, it's sort of a, you know, he's he's in a tricky spot, and I think he senses a lot more danger just because of uh, John Aaron's death, and the Lannisters, and, and the fact that, which we're going to get into it here in just a bit, but that you know, things that Catelyn Tully had just done that sort of are, you know, forcing him to leave maybe sooner than he would have, you know, in other situations. So Yeah. Uh, okay. Nope, for sure. Okay. Um well, should we move on to, you know,
1: the, the second the second kind of half here is that really they just keep pushing and pushing and what ends up happening is that is that uh Ned ends up leaving.
0: Yep. Yeah. He resigns. You
1: know, Ned ends up. Yeah, Ned, Ned ends up resigning. Um, I want to. I want to have it. I want to have. Uh, I want to find the actual. The the actual line here. Um, okay. Um, I will not be part of uh, of murder, Robert. Do as you will, but you will not ask me to fix. To fix my seal to it. For a moment, Robert did not seem to understand what Ned was saying. Defiance was not a dish he tasted often. Slowly, his face changed as comprehension came. His eyes narrowed, and a flush crept up his neck past the velvet collar. He pointed an angry finger at Ned. You are the king's hand, Lord Stark. You will do as I command, or I will find me a hand who will. I wish him every success. Ned unfastened the heavy clasp uh, that clutched at the folds of his cloak. The ornate silver hand uh, that was his badge of office. He laid it on the table in front of the king, saddened by the memory of a man who had pinned it on him, the friend he had loved. I thought you a better man than this, Robert. I thought we had made a nobler king. Robert's face was purple. Out, he croaked, choking on his rage. Out, damn you. I'm done with you. What are you waiting for? Go. Run back to Winterfell and make certain I never look on your face again or I swear I'll have your head on a spike. Which yep. is obviously interesting because it, you know, there's Gur foreshadowing yep. to something else. Um, we also we would also talked, you know, in the in the last Arya chapter where she's um, worried about her father's safety, and um, is it Jory who says, you know, you, you kill easiest way to I think kill a snake is to cut its head off.
0: Yeah, wizard. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, or wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right though. Yeah, I mean that's you're right. In the, the yeah, again foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, it's terrible. Um, makes me so sad to think about. Right, let's not let's not think about it. All right, um, yeah. So, so yeah. He 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 resigns. Marches back to the the tower. Um, you know, summons Valen pool. Uh, and says, hey, it's it's time to to get out of here. And basically, Valen says, you know, it's gonna take a fortnight. And he's like, we might have like a day, <laughs> like a day. And I also think, right. He maybe he thought he had longer. Uh, I don't really know. I'm sure the king could have sent him a message, you know, by way of uh, messenger or something later that night, saying, you know, or even the next day, it, things are okay, etc. But he's preparing to leave one because he is curious about these other events. He wants to know why Stannis Baratheon has been so quiet out there on Dragonstone. Absolutely. You know? So, you know, but yeah, uh, I think he, just, he decides he's going to go on with with his daughters and, and a couple, uh, a few of his men, and that should be enough. And he's going to he's going to take off. You know, by the morrow, really, the next day, mm-hmm. he's ready to go. Yeah, and uh, he he thinks there for a little bit. He thinks a while on it, and when he thinks of of going to Dragonstone, he decides. Th- doesn't he decide to possibly go by sea, go back to Winterfell by sea, and then stop mm-hmm. at Dragonstone? Yeah, so that yeah,
1: yeah, that that way, that way, he could he could he could make a stop at Dragonstone.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he kind of tells Valen to go out and, and pick, uh, you know, make arrangements there, and then everyone else can kind of follow. You know, in their own time, uh. But you know, he needs to leave rather quickly. So, you know, and I think he also wants to get back. Yeah. He starts to long for like, you know, making another son. You know, he's like, he's like, Cat and I aren't aren't too old. You know, we could make another son. Yeah, which, and which she is, and
1: she right, and she yeah, she has that same kind of thought too. So yeah,
0: that's great. It's great that they like so. ended up loving you know each other and have this you yeah. know good kids. So.
1: So Okay, um, so then we kind of move to the second part where he goes back, and he's pretty much getting ready to start packing up, and he, he's thinking about stuff. He says, "Um, this is after Jory, uh, you know, he tells Jory to get get ready, but don't tell anyone. Um, when he had gone, Edward Stark went to the window and sat brooding. Robert had left him no choice that he could see. He ought to thank him. It would be good to return to Winterfell. He ought never left. His sons were waiting there. Perhaps he and Catelyn would make a new son, as you know. Sir as you just said they were not so old yet. And as of late, he often found himself dreaming of snow, of the deep quiet of the Wolf'swood at night. And yeah. yet the thought of leaving angered him as well. So much and was still undone. Robert and his council of cravens and flatterers uh, would beggar the realm if left unchecked, or worse, sell it to the Lannisters in payment of their loans. And the truth of John Aaron's death still eluded him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had found a few pieces, enough to convince him that John had indeed been murdered, but that was no more than the the, the spore of an animal on the uh, forest floor. He had not yet sighted the beast itself, though he, uh, he sensed it was there, lurking, hidden, treacherous.
0: Yeah. Yep. So he's yeah, definitely so- leaving things unfinished, but also, like, and, 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 you know, so he doesn't want to leave because he realizes that the realm is about to go into Lannister hands, you know, it's indebted to them, it's, it's, uh, we're not in a good place, but, you know, screw it, whatever, it's, it's left to them then, you know, and it's sad, but he needs to go back to the North, so, uh, I like, though, there's a, there's a part too where he thinks about, um, the rage in which Robert was in, you know, he's like, he's just sort of like, he kind of thought that after 15 years, he wouldn't still be raging about the mention of Rhaegar. But, um, mm-hmm. it says, always, suddenly, uncomfortable, he found himself recalling Rhaegar, Targaryen, 15 years dead, yet Robert, yet Robert hates him as much as ever. So, and he says it was a disturbing notion, you know, um, right, that he was still dwelling on this that many years later and couldn't move on. So, I don't know. And he wants to wipe out the Targaryen. So he's just so, you know, hell bent on it that, that, that uh, he can't get past um the idea of even the thought of Danny having a child and them coming over or people even wishing for that maybe. You know what I mean? That's another thing. Is that like
1: Well it's also probably it's I mean, in Robert's eyes, it's probably also a way for him to get back on the out on, I mean, you know, I mean he's do some do something good in the realm because, you know, right now he doesn't really do a lot. He just yeah. kind of, you know hang he just yeah. kind of hangs out and, and drinks and, you know, whores himself and you know, and that's that's just what he does. So here, maybe, yeah. maybe it's kind of a, a view of like I, you know, I did something good for the realm. I killed another Targaryen.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so. the, the have we talked about Littlefinger? No, not yet. Okay. But we we should, yeah. Yeah. So I see. So yeah, I think uh, that's probably the next spot to go is is uh, the person who, you know, Edard wants to see the least uh, ends up showing up uh, at the door. Lord Baelish to see you, my lord. Um, Ned was half tempted to turn him away, but he thought better of it, and uh, you know, he was not free yet until he was. He must play their games. Uh, show him in, Tom. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, P- uh, he, Peter Baelish walks in, um, and he's very short. He just wants to know what's your what's the point? Why are you here, etc. And Peter says, "I won't detain you long. Uh, I'm on my way to dine with Lady T- with Lady Tanda." Uh, lamprey pie and yeah. roast suckling pig. Uh, she has some thought to wed me to her younger daughter, so her table, her table is always astonishing. Truth be told, her younger daughter—I'm sorry. Truth be told, I'd sooner marry the pig, but don't tell her. I—I I do love lamprey pie. So um, Ned's like, well, then get on with it. You know, head back. You know, go just go see her instead. That's fine. Uh, and he brings up though he must have been tracking. He—he um, he knew that Jory had been going in and out of brothels looking for, you know, one of Robert's uh, other bastards and that's what he's there to right. offer him, you know. Basically is that he's found a you know, like I can take you there, you know, myself. And I know exactly where it's at, you know, if if you were still interested um and you and you want more information on that, I have it and, you know, here it is. Come get it. So, that's basically.
1: Right. And this is kind of and this is unfortunately kind of the worst thing that Eddard Stark does. Uh, yeah. Because if he had just left right here and now, I think he, you know he would have been he would have been okay. But right. obviously, we know that you know what what ends up happening, where he gets up there, he gets he comes out of the brothel and has a run in with Jamie, and then he's kind of stuck in King's Landing. And right, but uh, I mean, but you Ned, he he wants to, he wants to see if he can he can get that final piece of information to kind of prove you know to Robert that that everything and and you know
0: yeah. Yeah, he does. There was
1: plots to kill him and plots and you know, John Aaron was murdered and everything. So right. and we,
0: that Ned is still even after this big fight, Ned is still committed to his friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and um and maybe Peter B- Peter Baelish knows that and wants to I don't know if he I, I actually don't even know at this point that he knows maybe he does know what's happened with the Lannisters and he knows that keeping him in, in town a little bit longer, uh, is going to result in a confrontation, but I don't know. It seems like to me he just wanted to kind of uh, feed more of this information to to um, Eddard because in chaos, Littlefinger can rise. You know, I, I kind of feel like that's his, right. his thing. And so um, even if, you know, Eddard does get back to the north and, you know, learns this stuff, he's kind of like Stannis sitting on Dragonstone. They eventually send word to the king or something and, you know... War breaks out, and Littlefinger can kind of, you know, do his thing. But another cool part here that that uh, Littlefinger does is is he he tries to say that he actually may have done the girl, um, uh, you know, done more for Danny than anyone at that council because he recommends that the right. cr- that the crown doesn't have enough money to afford a faceless man. So hopefully, you know, some sellsword or or whoever uh, will take up the you know assignment and of them actually, you know, assassinating or killing uh, the Khaleesi are slim. So, you know, he's sort of like, right. no one really thinks of that, do they? You know, it's sort of a backwards way of thinking about it. Um, but he's like, a, you know, it's just manipulation. You know, he's, he's maybe he truly didn't want to kill Danny, but he has no, no one's going to listen to him. But he can manipulate them into the worst option, you know, which is to send a, a sword after her because we don't have the money. And that's good enough. And then we're appeased right. and moving on, and it could take years for that to happen if if it happens at all, and then they're on their guard, so they know that people are trying to assassinate her. Um, you know, so he's got a good point there, and, and Ned doesn't really want to, you know, give him any, any credit at all, because it's still, you know, he's still musing about killing a 14-year-old girl. You know, he's still he's still a part of it, and it could, there's the potential that it could, you know, um, happen, and he would have a hand in it. So it's just... Interesting. Right, for sure. You know. So that's it though. I think that's pretty much it for this week's yep. chapter. Yeah, that is yeah, that is pretty
1: much the chapter. Um Alright, let's go ahead and move on. We got a couple uh ravens here we want to uh kind of read, Sir Ezra. Uh
0: yeah, we just had a few. Um honestly, uh we had saved the the major ravens for follow up Friday. Uh, and we got some stuff from the group that we'll pull uh for follow up Friday. But these were just a couple comments that I wanted to kinda uh housekeeping things. Uh, Here, so we had um, uh, Patrick uh, Patrick Forbes had sent us a a message saying hello, sir Matt, and um, and I got Lord Ezra, which is great. Um, Yeah, I was uh, curious about that. Yeah, I did. did
1: You did you did you you acquire a lordship? I'm. I'm I think he did that
0: intentionally. I think he knows that I. Like I, 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 Sir Ezra has a history. Okay, I I have a history, and uh, we need to talk about our histories at some point. More about our where we came from and and stuff we're still kind of mystery knights aren't we we're hedge knights mm-hmm. but we're yeah. we're kind of a mystery um so i may have had mm-hmm. a lordship back in the day i don't have it any longer um and this this may well be one of my old uh Bannerman, you know so i uh okay I may need to inquire uh with this with this one a little bit more, but he said i uh, was he was sending a, his first message on as a patron member uh enjoys the show thanks for all the har- for all the hard work uh, and I just wanted to kind of give him a shout out so patrick uh sir patrick, thank you uh definitely appreciate you hitting us up and uh, I look forward to conversing with you um in the future and and possibly you know learning your whereabouts and and uh where you're from just just to recall see if you uh you know can remember my my uh, former lordship title so <laughs> uh, next we have um, I think this is uh, I think this is Greg this is actually oh Bannerman has no name right uh, he says good sirs I upgraded yeah. my tier um, as I get so much from your show and you both put so much into it. Uh, that is the least I could do to kick in a bit more to show my gratitude. Uh, as as a faceless man, I cannot take the black, so no need for the vows, but I wanted to support the show. Thank you, gentlemen. And so I just wanted a quick shout-out to anyone who, um, you know, that's that's super, you know, gracious, and, and uh, a couple hedge knights definitely appreciate that. So we haven't been doing too well at the, yeah. at, the at the tourneys, so, um, you know, uh, pockets are a little, you know, <laughs> not much coin. I, <laughs> yeah. I, Actually, we're I'm posting. Uh, so as this should be out on Monday, um, the Hedge Night should be up for you guys to enjoy on Patreon. And uh, it's actually re- kind of reminds me that that comment there. And just thinking about you know Sir Matt and I as Hedge Knights, like isn't it nice when you get a little extra coin and you can you can actually go get the duck on top of the the meat that's roasting. That's what Dunk hey. got. Yeah. yeah? He's That's like, I'll have Dunn them both. Did, you know? and I'll have them both, you know? Yeah. So anything she was and then offered. And he found
1: out that his armor cost way more than that. Yeah. So...
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, and then we have one more here. Uh, this is from... Um, this is from Sir Fluffhead of Gamehenge, and uh, formerly known as Brown Ben Zaza. He says that now that I've taken the black, I cannot go by by uh, Brown Ben Zaza. Uh, I now uh, will be known as Sir Fluffhead of Gamehenge. I just think it's great, just the evolution, you know, uh, which is which is awesome. Right, yeah. Uh, hails from the Dornish Dornish Marches. Uh, my words are: I come from the land of darkness. I come from the land of doom. I come from the land of Gamehenge, and. Uh, from the land of the big baboon which is just hilarious to me so at the top of the show uh, we got a chance to give him a shout out so uh thanks to all our patrons and everyone who has you know uh given us that support and and helped us out there we appreciate you guys and um we look forward to kind of producing some more black council episodes uh we got the hedge Knight done for you and uh we'll be moving on to what is it is it uh, sworn sword next what's Sworn sword what's, so yeah okay uh, the, Lyon, the the yeah, with uh, the, the, the Red Widow right so, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. that'll be fun alright uh, so that's it for Ravens this week uh, you, again you can send those to btkcast at gmail.com uh, hit us up there and uh, we've got some good ones this week uh, Ghost of Harrenhal is back with a couple really solid um, Ravens and, and, and others we've got some good discussion going on in the group uh, from everyone, quite frankly So, uh, we will cover that this follow up Friday So be ready for that Alright okay. I think Alright,
1: well, yeah, I believe it is uh, We want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 34 Uh oh I forgot, to, uh, forgot to put down who it is Catlin Yeah, sorry uh-huh. Yeah, Catlin yeah.
0: 6 Yeah, um, that's that's actually a great chapter, guys It's uh it's one of those I, I often think about um, you know just in like leading into the veil learning more about the veil it's actually uh, going to be a lot of fun to cover so yeah we'll cover Catelyn uh, is Catelyn 6 I think mm-hmm. yeah yep. okay or yeah um, all right uh, if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com we will see you in a week and remember that winter is coming